It is an honor to be here today. Um, it's always coming home. Um, I say this every time I come, but it's true. Your pastor is my pastor. So when I come, I don't come uh, acting as if I'm not home. Because this is home. Now that's important for a major reason. Because the message I have today is a hard one. You know, every message can't be easy. Every message can't make us feel good. Some messages need to kick us right where it hurts. And then we go, ow, okay, I'll change. Am I right? See, some of you, you're like my wife. My wife doesn't take a lot. She's just godly and spiritual and a whole bunch of other stuff. Whatever. <laughs> Me, I'm hard-headed. So God very often has to go, okay, come on. It's like, mm, okay, no, no. And then I finally scream uncle, and then I'll do what you say. But I'm hard-headed. Any other hard-headed people in the room, if you're honest? See, you're looking straight ahead. You're like, yay, my spouse, and your spouse is pointing to you, and it's hilarious because you're both right. Um, But today's message is a hard one because it's right at the intersection between generosity and judgment. Now, before you shut down and go, see, I knew I wasn't coming to church today, give me a moment. These are two very hard topics. When you talk about people's money, everybody get a little funny. And then when you talk about judgments, I know, I won't talk about that, I don't care. When I first became a Christian, it was like in the, I don't even know, God, no. I, I first became a Christian in the 90s, but I had a brief stint with Jesus in the 80s. Some of y'all know what that means. And in that moment, I remember people were like, let's study Revelation. I'm like, no, no, I heard about that book. I won't study it. I don't care what you say. Um, No, let's study Revelation. You must have bumped your head. And then they were like, okay, let's watch a movie about it. And if you've been saved for more than a few years, you remember those weird 70s, early 80s movies about the end times. They were singing sad songs and everybody was in drab clothes and If that's, maybe that's why I stopped being a Christian and had to come back again in the 90s, because that was weird. Judgment is not a fun topic, but we're coming out of Matthew 25, and the whole chapter is about judgment. So, if you unclench, I'll unclench, okay? Because these are tough topics, and we can get through it together, but not if you're sitting there, "Mm, not listening, not listening, not listening, not listening. But if we all breathe, we might get through this, okay? Do I have your agreement? If I don't have your agreement, shouldn't have came today. Um, So, Matthew 25 starts off with Jesus telling his disciples basically that Tough times are coming, that there's going to be a judgment that you're going to have to stand before God and answer for what you do. He's trying to prepare them for the test that is to come. I don't like tests. I don't do well at tests. 
And if we're going to take a test, I want to know what's going to be on the test before. See, the work teachers, listen to me. Don't you give a test the first day that counts? You're just mean and your students don't like you. The first day, you already told me nothing. How are you going to test me and you ain't told me? Tell me, then test me. See, that's Jesus' model. You were just being mean. But Jesus told his disciples what they would be tested on. He said, this is how the kingdom works. It's like ten virgins, right? Five of them wise, five of them foolish. They all have lamps, and when the bridegroom comes, they have to have their lamps ready to go. Five of them that were stupid, dumb as sticks, they didn't bring enough stuff. And they had to go buy some more, and the ones that were wise were ready with extra. And when the bridegroom came while the others were away, they went in, they celebrated the reward, they got in on the party, and then the other ones came knocking on the door. We went into, we were out here the whole time, you don't even know. And he's like, nope, door's closed, too late. The second story that we're going to focus on today is the parable of the talents where you had three guys that were given a sum and they were supposed to manage it, grow it, extend it, and one guy didn't do anything with it and he got in big, big trouble. And then the last one, Jesus stops giving parables and he finally goes, okay, this is more what it's going to be like. It's like sheep and goats. And they all graze together, they eat together, they, 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 they are all together at the same time, but at some point they get separated. And I'm going to separate those sheep and those goats. And when I separate them, the sheep will be in one line and the goats will be in the other. The goats don't get what the sheep get. The sheep representing the good, the right, the goats, the bad. The reality is there is a judgment. There is an assessment coming for all of us. And Jesus is letting us know what's on the test. So I think we better listen. And even if it's uncomfortable, I'd rather know it and deal with the uncomfortability than not know it, get there, be in the wrong line, and, nobody, and there's no cutsies. I don't want to be in the wrong line with no cutsies. Is anybody with me? I don't want to be in that line. I'm in that line. So how does that happen? Well, in this parable of the talents, there are two basic themes. Well, let me say that. There are two basic themes in all these three judgment stories. The first theme is there's ultimate judgment for all of us that you can't get out of it. There's no getting away with it. There's no, you know, exempting from that. It is coming. Judgment is coming, so be ready. Here's the other theme. In all the stories, there are people that thought they were getting in, people that thought they were in the right line, people that thought they were doing okay that didn't. That didn't make it. They didn't get in. They were left out. So in each one of these stories, there were ultimate judgment came and in each one of these stories the common theme is there were people that thought they were okay that weren't okay. So, can you ask somebody real quick, you okay? Go ahead, ask them. You okay? You said just like that, you okay? 
Not are you okay? That's no fun. You okay? In each one of these stories, there were people that thought they were okay that weren't. So let's get into the second story. For it, the kingdom Jesus is teaching his disciples will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them with his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received five talents went at once and traded them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had two talents made two talents more. But he who had received one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled the accounts with them. And he who had received five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, you good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered me two talents. Here, I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scatter no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers and my com- and at my coming I should have received what was mine with interest so take the talent from him he, t- he says and give it to him who has 10 talents for to everyone who has more will be given and he will have an abundance but from the one who has not even what he has will be taken away and cast the worthless servant into outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now at this time, it was common for rich rulers to have stewards. Stewards were people that you would put over responsibility of something and they were to care for and, and manage and do something with it. It was almost like an accountant, but more, an accountant slash investor all at the same time. And their faithfulness to the task will reflect their commitment and their effectiveness when the master returned for them to give an account. Now, please don't lose sight of the fact that this is analogous to God's ultimate judgment of us. And it, it leads to our very first lesson. God has given us all gifts, abilities, and resources to manage based on our capacity. God has given us all gifts, abilities, and resources to manage based on our capacity. You see, this is good news because 
Very often we can look at other people and feel like God has given them more than he's given us. We can look at someone else and feel a little bit jaded and feel like God's been somewhat unfair because God, you gave them that and I'm left with this. But you are not responsible for that. You're responsible for this. God has a responsibility for you that is for you. It's not for them. You are not responsible for their stuff. It's only what's yours. See, some of you, you're like, yeah, I kind of knew that. For me, I have lived many of my life trying to become a second-rate version of men I've admired. Rather than embracing the uniqueness that God had for me. And some of you, that is exactly what you need to hear. God has something for you. He sees you. He knows you. He's designed what is for you, and he's not looking for you to do any more than you can do. All you got to do is be the best you he's made you to be, and you're good. That's all he wants. God isn't looking for you to be somebody else. He's not expecting you to deliver on somebody else's side of the fence. You are responsible for what's yours. I find that to be ridiculously encouraging. And then the idea that he gives you gifts and abilities and resources. All that you have is his. It belongs to him. You see, this master gave his stewards, he gave them Talents. Now, we can get tripped up on that word. That word, because to us it's like talent, ability talent, that's not fully what it means. The talent is more like a sum of money. So it's hard to do the reckoning when it comes to old money versus like now money, but it's roughly, let's put it in a, in, in a, in a bracket of, let's say the first guy got $50,000, the second guy got twenty, and the last guy got ten. And when the master gave it to them, he was expecting that they would do something with it. I've given you a lot of resources. I've put a lot in your hands, so a lot is expected of you. I love how one scripture says, to much is given, much is required, expected. God has given us all something. He's given us all something. He's expecting a return on investment for what he's given you. Let me say that again. God is expecting a return on the investment of what he's given you. He's not expecting that you're going to get and you're just going to keep it and say, yay, my life's awesome. God is expecting that he's going to give you what he's given you and that you're going to do something with it to increase it. That's what he's expecting. He's respecting a return on his investment in you. Now, for some, we can get lost in the idea of money. I think the scripture speaks to money, but I don't think it's limited to, and actually I think it's broader than money. You were given resources, opportunities. You have know-how. You have friendships. You have relationships. You have things that you know are yours. You have things that you know. Okay, let me ask a simple question. Are you awesome at anything? 
Okay, I'm, I'm actually looking for hands. That's why mine is up. Is it, are you awesome at anything? Yes? Yeah, if you can't think of anything, we got another issue we got to talk about. You're awesome at something. That's a gift from God. It's a gift from God. And he's expecting that you're going to use that. Everything you have, if you're a believer, belongs to him. Everything. We can mistakenly think that our stuff is ours. And the moment we do that, we start to get really selfish. And we start to hold it really closely because it's mine. I can't give away what's mine because what do I have if I don't have what I have? But the truth is, that's not what God designed it for. There we go. That's not what God designed it for. That's not how God wired you. He wired you and invested in you so you could take that. These guys had to do that. They had to take what the master had given them and they had to risk it. They had to use it. They had to do something with it. They couldn't just sit it somewhere. This guy, the smallest guy, the guy that had the the least amount, he probably thought he was doing good. I'm putting it somewhere safe and it'll be there for when you come back, but that's not why I gave it to you. The kingdom of heaven is like this. God didn't give you what he gave you so you could just have it. He gave it to you so you can increase it. So you got to work what you got for the master's ultimate win, for the master's ultimate success, for the master's benefit. Do you realize that you are not your own, you were bought with a price? The very breath you are breathing doesn't belong to you. It belongs to him. We see that when God forms man, it's just, it's a body there and he picks up the body and he breathes his breath into it. Then man became a living soul. Even the breath you have is on loan from the creator. And he's expecting every breath that he's given you to be used for his benefit. Does that make sense? God is expecting a return. That leaves us right to our second lesson. God is expecting us to multiply that which he has given to us. God is expecting us to multiply that which he has given to us. The first two went and they multiplied it. They, They increased it. The last guy, now I love the master's response to him. It wasn't even like, hey, you didn't double it like the other guys doubled it. You could have just invested it in small ways and at least done something with it. The problem was you did absolutely nothing. And remember, he's talking to his disciples. He's talking to those who would say they're his. 
He's given this example to those who belong to him. It's like this is how the kingdom works. You don't get what you get to do nothing. You get what you get to multiply it for his divine ends. So what are you doing with what you've been given? What are you doing with what God has given you? Are you hoarding it? Do you have it sitting somewhere? Or are you using it for maximum benefit? Once again, kingdom principle. Now here's the fun thing. In God's kingdom, you don't enlarge what you have by holding on to it. You only enlarge it by giving away. See, in our culture, our culture is built like a pyramid where everybody else is below and I'm the one on top. That is not how God's kingdom works. Jesus taught his disciples, the way up is the way down. If you want to be greatest, you serve. If you want to be someone of importance, you help somebody else. You don't get it by stepping on and pushing down and knocking over other people. That's not how God's kingdom works. If you want to enlarge it, you lift people. You build people. You grow other people. So we have to enlarge what God has given us. It's more than money. Do you have love? Can you enlarge your love? How do you enlarge your love? By giving it away. I don't have any money. How many people can you love on today? How many people can you show compassion to? Is your heart moved? Had all those conditions where you want to wrap your arms around them? Do you see people hurting and lonely and just want to give this gift of love that he's given you? Do you have joy? Share it. Give it away. Lift others up with your joy. Be generous with your joy. Don't hold on to it. For some of us, we haven't smiled in days. What's wrong with you? Do you have friendships? You can enlarge those friendships. You can grow those friendships. You can increase those friendships to not be a clique, but to enlarge and expand it and open them up. Maybe that's what your group is about. Maybe. I don't know what God has given you, but he didn't give it to you just so you can have it. He gave it to you so you can share it. What has God placed in your hands? What has he laid in your lap? How can he take the little you've been given and help you magnify it to the world? But some of us were so busy thinking about what we have, what we own, what we, what we uh, feel like it makes us feel important that we don't give things away. And we make phenomenal excuses why we have a right to. But how many of you know when the account finally comes due and the audit comes, God knows how to balance the books like nobody's business. 
And there will be no good excuse offered. I told you this message was hard. That's how this kingdom works. You're supposed to enlarge and increase and grow. And there's no excuse to not do it. I remember my wife and I, we were planning our church. We were, uh, we, our house was in foreclosure. We, we were at the lowest of the low financially. And it was like, man, I don't know what we're supposed to do. I don't know how we're supposed to make it. We were struggling. But then there was a friend of mine who he, his wife, and his kids were living in an extended stay hotel. They were homeless. And even though we were in the foreclosure process, we still had a roof over our heads. And I remember talking to them, and they didn't know how they were going to have enough money to make it the next week. It wasn't because he was lazy. It wasn't because they weren't diligent. They were just in a situation. Anybody ever been in a situation? When life happens and you have just concussive bits of wrong just happen, and some people were sitting around probably judging them, but all I saw was that's potentially what we're going to be if God doesn't get us out of this. So I didn't take it as an opportunity to look down on a brother. I said, all right, here you go. And we made sure that we provided so that they could have a place to live. And if that didn't happen, then I had already had the conversation with my wife that, okay, where can we put them and the kids? And is there room in our home? And can we possibly open up our doors because I'm not going to have them on the street? See, that's what it means to be generous. I may not have a lot. I may have been losing the house I was about to lose, but at the same time, if I still have a roof over my head, I got more than you have, and since I have more than you have, how dare I not give it? That goes exactly opposite of how this world works. Our world has a philosophy of sucks to be you. But that is not how God's kingdom is. In God's kingdom. See, when you run into people who are generous, have you ever seen someone who was truly generous? They kind of never are down. You ever notice that? People that really are givers, they're always kind of up and happy. And there's always something about them. And even when they go through hard times, they go through hard times well. Why? Because this kingdom works that way. How many people are farther along because of you? You see, when you live this way, you don't need the church to tell you what you should do for others. You don't need the church to come up with a program, well, I just wish the church would do this. No, how about you are a part of this thing called the church, and when you step out to do something good for somebody else, guess what? The church just showed up. Okay, if you can't say amen, that's an ouch. Because so many of us are expecting those who work in vocational ministry to come up with how we should make a difference. Well, guess what? You got jumper cables and somebody's car is stopped or you know how to change a tire. That is something you can do today. Because God has given you resources. Do you have business acumen? Maybe you can help somebody else that needs to develop business acumen. And you can pour yourself into someone else. 
But what do we do? We like to hoard. I like to be on top. I like to be the smartest. I like to be the best. I like to be up here. And if I can hold this position of superiority over you, then you always have to be above me rather than me getting beneath you and lifting you to go beyond where I could ever go. Or in other words, it's called discipleship. Didn't Jesus do that? You are the king of glory, yet you told these guys, um, okay, let me wash your feet, and you're going to do more stuff than I'm going to do. But you're Jesus. You see, at the bottom of this flipped upside down pyramid is the son of God holding us all up. So how do you enlarge? How do you grow what God has given you? You do it by generosity. You do it by giving. You do it by serving. Give your time. Give your energy. Give your ability. Give your know-how. Don't hoard it. Give it away. And when you do that in God's kingdom, it grows you. That's what we're doing downtown Atlanta. We went to the statistically worst part of the city of Atlanta. We were told time and time again, they told us so many times, that that's just a dumb church plan. (laughs) Don't go there and do that. My thought was, why wouldn't I go there and do that? If I am who God says I am, then those are people that need to be lifted and elevated, why wouldn't I do it? So what did that look like? Well, Thanksgiving, my family did not have a Thanksgiving meal. Because the cook, that's how you get all this, be a good cook. (laughs) The cook was in the community delivering close to 140 meals to people whose bellies would have been empty on Thanksgiving. I think it looks like small church in Atlanta getting requests from schools and organizations in the community with families who don't have Christmas and providing a Christmas. I think it looks like small church downtown Atlanta serving college students in the urban poor, having a church plant in Seoul, South Korea that is serving the college students and urban poor of Seoul and in Seoul, South Korea. 1% of the collegiate population are believers. Now, how does this little itty-bitty church of maybe 60 people do that? It's because we live this out. You know what I've discovered? Some of the most generous people in the world are some of the most people that have the least. Some of the stingiest people are the people that have a lot. Why? Because they have a lot they're trying to hold on to, but they don't realize that holding on is the thing that's strangling what God has given them. 
Okay, you can breathe. It's tough, but it's true. So that means give it away. Give it away. If it's finances, don't hold it so tight. Give it away. If it's abilities, give it away. If it's know-how, give it away. Look for opportunities. Look for people to bless. Look for people to serve. You see, I believe that very often we know what we're supposed to do, but we just can't get past our own stinginess. You know those things that kind of mess with us in our hearts and we're like, oh, I really should do that, and then we come up with five excuses for why that's not a good idea? That was another ouch moment. Instead of talking ourselves out of doing good for others, we need to just do it. Because at the end, I got to have something I'm going to bring. If you have joy, share it. If you have abilities, offer them. If you have love, give it. If you have expertise, share it. Give it away. Lesson number three failure to use what God has given is proof of wickedness. Now, this is the hard part. It's proof of wickedness. You see, when the day of judgment came for this steward, this accountant, this guy that was managing the resources, the master said, you wicked and lazy servant. Why? Because you did nothing with what I've given you. Now, some of you, if you're astute in biblical teaching, are thinking, man, you sound like you're talking about works, and it's all about grace. While you may not understand grace very well, because the very definition of grace is the idea of an extension, an enlarging, a distributing, others. It's literally in the word. Grace gives to others. This guy was left out because he was wicked. He was wicked because he mismanaged what was given to him. It was proof that he didn't care about the master It was proof that he only liked being the title of what he was. It was proof that he wasn't who he said he was, and he wasn't willing to do what he was supposed to do. And like these other stories, there were people outside that thought they were in. So am I saying that people aren't saved? Yeah, kind of. Um... But what I mean is you prove that you're not saved by what you do. If you can live a life that has zero effect on anybody else's life, you may be at risk of being left out. No, all you got to do is go to the very next story with the sheep and the goats. Well, how were they divided up? Jesus said, well, some are going to come and they're going to say, you know, why aren't we getting in? And he said, well, I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me anything to drink. I was naked and you didn't clothe me. I was in prison. You didn't visit me. You did nothing for me. And they were like, 
when did we ever see you and do nothing? He said, if you didn't do it to the least of these, you did the same thing to me. Basically, you proved that you didn't belong because you refused to be generous. You proved that you weren't made of this stuff because your refusal to move when I spoke. You see, when you love the master, you care deeply that he is enlarged. When you love the master, you want him to get all that he deserves. It's called a worshipful response. You don't receive the grace of God and hold it on to yourself. When you receive this great gift that you couldn't earn, you can't help but give it to somebody else. So I ask you again, what do you have? And what are you doing with what you have? And if you're okay with doing nothing, you got a bigger problem than you can ever imagine. Because the audit is coming. There is going to be a reckoning. And how we know whether your profession was real was the proof that you bring to the table. And the only way to bring that proof is to enlarge, is to be generous, is to give, is to grow what God has given you in a way that brings him maximum benefit. In a way that makes much of the master who gave you the gifts in the first place. Some of you in here, you barely breathe this entire message. And it's because you're holding on to some stuff that you know God wants you to give away. It may be experiences, it may be your story. Wow. It's, for some of you, it's your story. You've been quiet about some of the horrible stuff you've been through. But you need to share that story with somebody else so that they can find the strength to overcome their challenge. For others of you, it is money. The money you've, been, you've accumulated and set aside has it's become a noose for you. And it will choke the life out of you. If you don't find opportunities to be generous, I'm not telling you what God wants you to do. I'm just telling you, some of you, you know you need to respond. And in your mind right now, you know that thing that the Holy Spirit is plucking on your heart. This you need to do. For some of you, it's your time. You don't mind giving money. You don't mind giving stuff. But your time, you don't give up for anything. And God is saying, yes, I want that too. Your time is your idol. And I'm not going to suffer any gods but me. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do with what you've been given? You see, I don't want at the end of the day to be sitting there and I'm in the wrong line where hell is all I have. And it's not because God cast me out. It's because I wasn't listening when God was speaking. What are you going to do with what you've been given? Are you going to just be stingy? If that's the case, then you know where you're going to end. But God loves you too much to let you in there. 
So take this opportunity to start building on what he's given you. Not because you're earning anything, but because you've already gotten it. Not to prove you're good, just because God is good. You don't earn your way into heaven, you already got it. And the response of those who've gotten something they couldn't earn is to give away what they got. It's an expectation. That's how the kingdom works. Judgment is coming. Will you be ready? And will you have multiplied all these amazing things he's placed on the inside of you? Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask that you continue to convict. Don't let us walk away from here not listening to what you're saying. God, for all of those in this room that are wrestling with giving what they have, whether financial or material or emotional, let them give it away because you've given us more than we could ever imagine. And a grateful heart gives in return. Speak to us now and lead us to the point to where we are who you want us to be and we can say and hear that great well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over little. I make you rule over much. Enter in to my joy.